Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Back from the sea. I am back from the sea. The it boat. Was, the boat wasn't in dry dock, was it? It wasn't in dry dock at all. It was all on the ocean and well, the sea. You love and that, don't you? I don't. I get seasick. And it was there was points where it wasn't nice. It was okay most of the time, but ah, oh, some of it was brutal. It's all right. You came straight back and got in another tiny boat with me. Yeah, but that's fine though. Yeah, no, but it's much tiny nicer. boats. Okay, maybe you could give them that tip. The oil industry. Use a tiny boat. Use some tinier boats. I wouldn't have wanted to canoe on the sea like that. (laughs) That's it. That that way death lies. Yeah. Welcome back to the Space Jam Continuum, the show where we try to make a cohesive cinematic universe out of something that was never meant to be one. I'm Chris McLennan. I'm Cal Noble. And the sun is back. Oh, isn't it just? Yeah, and we're now in the position where we have to kill the bean every episode. Yeah. A small, solar-powered, dancing Mr. Bean that sits on Cal's windowsill that now needs toppling before we can record anything. Because it's just that sunny. He because he's just all the he's time. just having a great time over there. Yeah, the party is too much for our recording setup. It is. So yeah, sorry, sorry, Mr. Bean. You know, you're just gonna have to take it down a notch every. Just, just every calm week. it down, mate. Every you know, week. may lay off the speed. I suppose he probably needs a rest every once in a while. He must get knackered. Well, he doesn't seem to. He just goes for it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but is he forced into that situation, though? <laughs> what do you think's keeping him under duress? Yeah, that, well, the fact he's a plastic figure and can't move. <laughs> it's just so... It's, it's like like Crank. Yeah. He's wired to the sun. The sun is there, he must dance. Yeah. Or his heart explodes. Exactly. Okay, now, now we know. <laughs> now we know where he sits in the uh, Tooniverse, and it's outside of it, on the windowsill, terrified for his life. Yeah. Okay, good to know. We'll put you back up in a minute, Bean. Don't worry. Um... So, uh, last episode, we had a short one, but uh, I would say a reasonably a enlightening one. one. Yeah. Because uh, we saw, for for the first time in a long time, like, what we're considering future bugs. Yeah. And for an ex- a full episode, pretty With much. His- nephew slash son. Yeah, his nephew slash son. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was big revelations in that one. Yeah, it's, it's like... So we, we we went a lot into uh, basically Bugs' interactions with his past self. Yeah. Uh, the reasons for him sort of divorcing himself from proceedings as much as he possibly can. Compound powers. Uh, his, his fucking wired kid. Yes. He's his kid. Like, I'm going with it. I'm I mean, it definitely it. seemed that way, despite the fact he was Uncle Bugs. Uncle, yeah, but, like, you know, like... I just think if there's been two, uh, either two Bugs's the kids being in- interacted with, uh, interacting with, one of them's gonna got to be Unky Bugs. I guess so, yeah. But but yeah, I don't know. I think it's irresponsible. I don't approve of it. Like, tell the kid the truth, future Bugs. I mean, I, 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 despite our disapproval, I don't think we get much say in the whole matter. It's already happened. He's exactly. from the future. Exactly. So I think we're just gonna have to crack on how we normally do. Uh, so, first up here, we have a Claude, Hubie and Bertie, and Mark Antony. It's also a first appearance of Mark Antony. It's the first so I'm assuming appearance he's of coming Mark back. Antony. Uh, like, 
so I've had a piece of paper in my house the other day, which right. some notes we took really early on. Uh, it might have been before we did the live show at the end of the last season. Okay. But, because uh, otherwise I can't think why we took these notes. But um, just because there are some mice in this episode and we've forgotten something really important. What's that then? Mice are baby elephants. That is a good point, actually. Like, I just was like, oh, what's this little strip of paper? And it was a big bullet point list, and the bottom one on the list, and the first one I yeah, saw... Yeah, mice, are baby, mice elephants. are baby elephants. Yeah, they are. Now, like, we know Tweety has employed sort of rats and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, but his are nefarious. rats different? I think rats are fine. Yeah. But there's been some mice involved as well. There's definitely been some mice. Is this why Tweety's getting the mice involved? Because they're going to grow to be a mighty, mighty ally. So, so you think he's, like, kind of trying to... Um sort of indoctrinate the muscle yeah but also like i think what's missing from uh tweety's sort of general cthulhu-ish mythos is, is something so large and tentacle fist so large that it's it's true colossal size cannot be belied by euclidean geometry and i think you know like uh tweety's tweety's starting with an elephant working up Start yeah. with the rats, and then it's like, wait a second, these ones grow real big. Yeah. And then, like, I think we've got to work up to something, you know, so massive in scale that it would blacken your eyes with madness. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'd bring it up the first time mice turned up again, because I found, a bit of, yeah. I found a scrap of notes from ages yeah. ago, and uh, I think it's something we've been overlooking quite extensively. Then let's give this one a watch with our eye holes and see if we can notice any sort of, like, elongation of the... Nose. Of, of the snout. Yeah. Yeah, so we're watching Cheese Chasers. It's a Claude, Hubie and Bertie, and it's the first appearance of Mark Antony, uh, August 28th, 1951. Let's give it a look at it. This fucking Claude situation. There's two Claudes. We're back on yellow Claude with ginger hair now. Yeah, it's 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 really frustrating. I mean, the, the, it, it shouldn't be that odd that there is more than one uh, character called more than one thing. Or, but yeah, you know. I mean, like, so this this one got me wondering because at one point he says, "We must be dreaming. Let's wake ourselves up." Hmm. So mm. do you think? Like, do you think Claude is the same Claude? Just. Yeah, I think we might have a Dr. Claude and Mr. Claude situation. And that would explain kind of why they are different personality-wise. Because this so one's like, quite... Was it Claude who really early on, like the first one we watched, he was like really, really Very camp. camp. Yeah. Yeah, because because that was when they were on a stage, I believe, and he was moving boxes. Yeah, that? but he was very... Yeah, very just, camp. He, he'd ham it up. Yeah. You know, so... He's he's got a very like he's got a very mild mannered personality, and this episode was no different. Uh, in that uh, the episode starts with Hugh, Hubie and Bertie, uh, they're in a what I presume is a cheese shop because there's a lot of cheese. There's there. a lot of cheese. Um, they've eaten too much cheese, such that yeah, they they've got proper like paunchy bellies and like their faces are yellow. Yeah, and they just decide that they can't look at the stuff again. Like they've well, eaten too it. much I cheese, think, they're I, satiated. Yeah, I think one of them said, "Are." Uh, uh, a normal mouse eats about 20 pounds of cheese 12, in 12 pounds life. of cheese in their and life. And we must have lived like 2,000 lifetimes. So, so basically... I assume they've eaten a lot. Yeah, so basically they go, so 
well, yeah, they conclude that they'll they'll never be able to eat cheese again. Yeah, and then as a result, conclude that there's nothing left to live for. Yeah, and so they just decide to off themselves and they leave a note and then they trek off to Claude, who's asleep, open his mouth and just step Get in. in. Yeah. Now when Claude wakes up, he sees the he goes to the bathroom mirror, he sees the mice in his mouth, and he's like happy about that. Yeah. But then seconds later, he realizes he can't do it. Well, because he's like, this, there's something not right. There's here. something like, like, right in Denmark. just walk into a um, walk into a cat's mouth. Yeah. So he thought thinks it's it's sort of a trap. So he decides he can't every a mouse again. Yeah. And decides he's going to off himself. So he goes outside, and uh, basically lamps the dog, who turns out to be Mark Antony. Yeah. Introduction of a new character, uh, which is a lofty name for this dog, but yes. we'll get to him. But like, I think it's fitting. But. So yeah, Claude um, lamps the dog. The dog runs off like as if chasing a cat, and then turns around and realizes Claude's just stood there blindfolded, having his final cigarette. And then the dog is like, "Well, what's the deal here? Like, why aren't you running? Don't you know I'm going to mask you?" And then he's like, "Oh, something's fishy." And then, uh, yeah, he's trying to like make it all make sense, Uh, but he's like, "You're a cat. You don't. You eat mice, right?" And he's like, "No." Yeah, and he's like. all right, uh, you're mice, you eat cheese, right? It's like, cheese? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, it just turns his whole worldview upside down uh, to the point that we get a facial expression we've never seen before, yeah. which, you know, in whatever this must be, like we must be coming up to 100 episodes at this point. Like, I thought so. We've, ne- we've, never seen, we've never seen this weird just... Your eyes go sort of square and purple on the outside. It I was, liked it. It's a good yeah. expression. It, but it's a very sort of like um, modern expression you would see. Yeah, it looked like it made me think of Cartoon Network cartoons. It made yeah. me think of Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah. Just like these two purple lines of just a hmm. Yeah. Like, very perplexed. But then, yeah, he's trying to add it up. He's, he's trying to type up a report. Like, he's very thoughtful, Mark yeah. Antony. Uh, he he looks quite a lot like a Hector or one of the Hector clones. He's very much like Hector. At first, I kind of thought that this was just an unnamed Hector clone, and Mark Antony was going to turn up at some point. Uh, but like, I didn't want to lump him in with the other the the Hector clone situation no. until uh, his uh, at the end he just loses it. Basically, he can't work it out, and he sees a, the van from the dog pound, and he just goes chasing after it. Now. In a previous Hector episode, yeah, the like the pe- the sort of pest control dog pound sort of vans have been used, uh, like to pick up like like a discreet agency pickup yes. of people, yeah. And I'm wondering if uh, like I don't know, I don't know if Mark Antony knows that or if that dog pound van was in the vicinity because something was going on. Well, but, it, like, well it's whether or not Mark Antony is actually an agent. We don't know, but he couldn't work it out, and he no. runs after this van, then Claude runs after him, then the mice run after him, and that's kind of it. But you've got this thoughtful character named after, like, you know, a lofty historical figure. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I just wonder if he's going to be instrumental in some real change. Well, I hope so, because I, like, I did like him as a character. And, I mean, the thing is, yeah, is we, well, like, like, we know Claude is going to get over his aversion to mice, and we know that uh, Hubie and Bertie are going to get over their aversion because they're not just going to spend the rest of the, the rest of their time now just trying to off themselves. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be that same sort of thing. Like, when you have a hangover, you're like, oh, I'm never drinking again. And, you know, they're going to get over their cheese hangover, and they'll be fine again. Um, and Claude will realise that actually does want to keep eating mice. 
But then my wondering is uh, on the on the situation with Mark Antony, if he if he's well aware that the dog pound van is like you know his like backup, his agency surveillance yeah. vehicle, then that puts him in the agency. That makes me more inclined to lump him in with the clone watch situation. Do you, do you reckon they found not necessarily that he is a clone, but just that he looks close enough? like a clone that the agency have tried to put him in alongside oh. other clones as a sort of like it's like agent. yeah he's the one yeah like so you reckon he was actively headhunted and recruited yeah yeah okay i'll go with that let's roll with that for mark anthony because he don't like he seems a bit more savvy than most he definitely is yeah like you know i'll be, be interested to see how his story Unfills. I mean, the thing is, you say for a dog, we know that the dogs were kind of... The they were main... in charge, but yeah, they, they never seemed smart. No, that's true. Like, that the dogs true. have never been portrayed as the smart animals. No. Like, they, like the Unless smart... And the, smarter, the... and the smart ones are always the ones on the lower rungs of society. Yeah. Like, the ones that are, that are pretty smart are the ones that just get rejected constantly. There was that uh, super posh one in the Deep South. It was Charlie yeah. uh, going trying to get... Just constantly trying to get a uh, you know an owner. Yeah, that's like, true. They tend to be the sort of intelligent dogs. The the dogs that were in charge of society back in the I guess late thirties. Yes, like, they were they were brutes. Yeah, yeah. They were sort of like kind of the um, the ones doing the who worked there up through the sort of like and a more labouring sort of end of things. Yeah, they they like I guess self made men. Yeah, because at that time also we had the monkey government. Yes, that's so. True. Like they they weren't in charge in charge, but no. they were the, they were the you know, heads of business, yeah. heads of industry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm happy with that. I like that. That's that's come together pretty quick. We so they think we've got a Claude situation. Yeah, like there might be a sort of Jekyll Hyde situation because he does sort of like uh, when the mice try to annoy him into eating them. Like he, I know it it looks like something's going to break out. Yeah, even if that does turn out after the sort of muscling up and getting angry <laughs> into be a identically sized, slightly less paunchy cat that is black and white, not yellow and white. Yeah, but you know, I think I think that's probably his his. We're gonna have to keep a close feral cat one. side. Yeah, I think we are. Shall we uh, have a look? See what's coming up next. I think we should have a little look. What's going on next? A bit uh, of foghorn, is it? It's a bit of foghorn, and we got Prissy in there. Yeah, but. No Henry Hawk. No Henry Hawk or Barnyard, but I mean, he doesn't always get mentioned. Yeah, Barnyard Dog's probably there, but this question, so we we came to the conclusion they were in a sort of uh, temporal anomaly. Yes. uh, A sort of Groundhog Day situation um, with uh, only uh, Foghorn sort of changing it up each time. Um, So we'll see how uh, it fares without the characters that are traditionally involved in that Groundhog Day scenario, because maybe we can break the pattern. So uh, we're watching Love Lawn Leghorn, uh, which is a Foghorn and Prissy number from September 8th, 1951. Let's do it. So Foghorn's Andy McDowell. It would seem so. Well, but then Prissy can't be Bill Murray. No, because Barnyard Dog has learned a thing or two from from Foghorn over the time as well. Yeah. So in this one, it didn't start with um, Foghorn just kind of doing his standard let annoy the dog sitch. Uh, this was kind of the other way around. Foghorn was just taking a morning off, 
And then uh, Barnyard Dog decided it was time to dick with the chicken. Yeah, so that suggests some memory on Barnyard Dog's part. Yeah, I mean, unless he was just taking the opportunity while Foghorn was taking a morning off. But basically, uh, Prissy's looking for a husband. That's, that's, that's As is her want of an afternoon. Yeah, like, she's, she's laid her first egg... You know, she's realised that maybe she is a spring chicken after all, and she needs to go out and look for a husband. And, you know, she walks up, cracks Foghorn on the head with a um, rolling pin, and it obviously it doesn't knock him out because no. it's Foghorn. He's, he's, he's had ch- some experience with being hit on the head repeatedly. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a unit, Foghorn. He's, he is large and in charge. Yeah. But, so, she's going out looking for her husband. Foghorn does his normal thing of fobbing people off, but instead of telling Henry Hawk that uh, the dog's a rooster, he tells Prissy that the dog's a rooster. Yeah. And Prissy goes after him. Uh, it goes around its usual sort of vibe, uh, at which point Prissy tells the dog what's going on, and he's like, nah, that guy's a rooster, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, a dog. dog but, like, I'll tell you how to make a rooster trap. And Barnyard Dog, he's been thinking about this a lot. This is what makes me say he's got the memory. It's yeah. not that the, he's playing tricks on Foghorn now. It's that he's got this Rube Goldberg machine It idea. was amazing. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, drop this thing that's going to move this rope that's going to spin the handle on a well, which is going to hit a golf ball into a drain pipe, which is going to fall down. And <laughs> I can't remember what the next thing was. It falls down onto something that drops an anvil onto the the, the accelerator of a tractor. Uh, which in the exhaust has a cork with a dart on it with a match attached to it, and that fires out, uh, strikes against a matchbox, and hits in the back of a cannon, which fires a <laughs> cannonball up into a barrel that falls on his head. It was impressive. It was a good machine. It was. It was It was like the game Mousetrap, but, you know, good. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah. It worked, because it conked uh, Foghorn out, and uh, Prissy took him home in a basket. Yeah, I mean, the thing is... is And it, even he was saying, yes, that's correct, I am her husband. Well, but I think that's because he was delirious. Uh, yeah, I think but I don't know how exactly, chicken law works. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is... is um, it's exactly the same sort of, like, rundown as every other episode we've seen, except that they've replaced... Henry, Henry the Hawk with Prissy. Because Prissy was just wanting to carry... So do you think Henry... Horn off. So do you think something tiny that changed in this one... Just means Henry Hawk just went off and found a different farm or whatever. Possibly, but ultimately, otherwise, it's identical. It's, it's, so it, if it Henry doesn't find Foghorn, Prissy will. Yeah. Okay, so maybe Prissy's no, maybe Foghorn's not Andy McDowell. Maybe Foghorn is still Bill Murray. Yeah, still Bill. But what has changed? What what changed in the mix? Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm starting to think Barnyard Dog is Bill. Um, well, I'm, I'm just wondering whether or not, like, because Foghorn didn't start his day by tormenting the dog, he just took the morning off, he wasn't in the right location to be... He isn't normally in the right location to be found by Prissy. Because, yeah. you know, it was because the dog started it and he was somewhere different, whereas normally he's in a position to be found by Henry as opposed to being found by Prissy. Whereas if the dog starts it, if Foghorn takes the morning off... Yeah, but the weather's different. He took it off because the weather was good. It means it can't be the same day. Well, no, I mean, no, the thing is, that, like, 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 we don't know the... Well, 
it's never been raining any time we've seen it. The, the, the weather's always been good, but this this morning, rather than getting up and annoying the dog, he probably just decided to get up and go lie down and do a bit of sunburn. Okay, so but that so that means Foghorn has to be aware that it's looping. Yes. Right? That's his deal. Either that or... I guess the other option is blissfully unaware that... Uh, it's the same day repeating. It's the same day repeating. Well, that, well that's it. Like, 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 that, that could be the He could be the one who remembers, but he is just unaware that it's the same because because he keeps changing what he's doing each day, living it as if it's different. He's not noticing, or his impact he's not is so big that he's changing things quite quickly. Because he with no direction, with no direction to it, yeah. Yeah, because because yeah. Uh, Bill Murray's character would only well, he only realised to begin with because the radio show kept doing the same thing. Yeah, whereas Foghorn doesn't have an alarm clock. He doesn't have to listen to "I Got You, uh, Babe." Yeah, he doesn't have a radio alarm clock, so maybe he's not noticing that things are exactly the same immediately when he wakes I up. I really hope the thing that breaks this cycle is someone buying him a radio alarm clock. That that would be good. That would be amazing. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know who what to take from that really. Like it was a fun episode. Yeah. But but also Prissy's uh progressed as well. Because Prissy was in a Falcorn episode previously. Yeah, that's true. The, and like as you say, like so the previous episode, uh she wound up with an egg. Yeah. And has clearly decided, okay, that's off my to do list. Next up, get a husband. Yeah, that's true. It depends at what point this loop started though. Yeah. Because, yeah, it could be more than a day. Yeah, because gra- because gra- in Groundhog Day, it's not that you know it was that was Bill Murray's life. It started at one point and then stopped. Yeah. So it, we, what we do need to do at some point is track back and see where it started looping. That's true, but I mean, I, as long as I can remember Falcon Leghorn episodes, they've been pretty much the same. Yeah, that's true, but that doesn't mean that they have always been the same. That's true. Like if we see, you know. If we track back and there were a few that were different, then yeah. we know that's what if it there was started. Some fun, because there was definitely one with uh, Henry's dad in. Yeah, but that was just us seeing a different character. Yeah, in the that's, same, yeah, yeah, that's true. Same situation. That's true enough. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that I helped very much. I think we should move on to, to the juice. I think we should. Uh, because we've got Sylvester and Tweety and Granny all in the same episode again. Uh, it's called Tweety's SOS. So, What's happening to Tweety then? So that's the table's turn. So let's uh, check that out. It's a Sylvester, Tweety and Granny number called Tweety's SOS from September 22nd, 1951. Do you think the SOS stands for uh, Tweety's um, Sacrificing Our Souls? <laughs> sacrificing <laughs> old Sylvester. Let's find out. Yeah. Right, well, that was an interesting episode, wasn't it? I mean, it was an odd one. It, yeah, so, like, where was Tweety going? Yeah, that's like, my first question. Yeah, so, um, SOS, they were on a boat. Um, I don't think Sylvester necessarily knew that's where he was going, but he Well, was, he was just on the dock. Yeah, I he, think like, he was on his own. Yeah, he, like, he was on the dockyard, but do you think he'd tracked Tweety there? Because Tweety was on a boat in a cage... And Sylvester got onto the boat, kind of. I don't know, because he found Tweety by coincidence, seemingly. He did, but... but he might have known uh, he was in the vicinity. Yeah, well, that, that, that's why I think he was looking around the dock. I mean, he was doing this classic searching through the bins malarkey. 
But, um, you know, he, I think he has tracked him there specifically. Um, and it seems that Tweety and Granny are off on a journey somewhere. Yeah, I mean, so we, we don't find out where the boat's going. Um, I think it was a private charter as well because there was nobody else on the boat. Basically, yeah, this, like, Granny this and boat, Tweety and the yeah, captain. Yeah, this boat set off and it was like, bye, bye everyone. And that was just Tweety and Granny saying that. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, they were being waved off by people, but we didn't see them. We just heard them. But they, we only saw them. And the only other person we saw on the boat other than Sylvester was the captain. And he only said, I taught, I taught a putty tat. Yeah, so I mean, it, it basically just became a bit of a, you know, a classic chase. Um, at first, I thought Granny didn't have eyes. Yeah, I liked then, that. As a, <laughs> I did like that as a theory once the glasses came off. Yeah, so like Granny's glasses And even Sylvester operate, like, you know... Sylvester didn't catch on to that. No, like, no. Because gra- Granny ultimately, like, yeah, it wasn't she couldn't really see. It's that she couldn't see. Yeah, she couldn't. Like, if her glasses were off, her eyes became dots. In, yeah, they were just just two black dots on like her face. Like it's sealed or sealed up. Yeah. So so maybe maybe she cannot see without glasses. But it's not not, not that the glasses are her eyes. But maybe the glasses activate something which allows portals in her face to open i don't know i mean like because sylvester sylvester paints tweety on the glasses at one point he does yeah yeah and he puts them on granny and it works yeah i mean it wasn't a very good painting but i mean it's pretty good for a cat he's not just a normal cat though is he yeah but come on look you know i mean like compared to like what a, a cat from like our universe can do yeah i'm just saying i'm just saying it wasn't that bad of a pig painting i think you're being unfair well it's it's more just like i was it's not like it's his established wheelhouse no that is true i was just trying to point out that you know again like again we're shown that kind of uh the tunes aren't very good at kind of recognizing what actual animals look like yeah like and i don't think granny was any better realistically but no not really there's a, there's a big chase scene and eventually um well, sylvester lot... gets seasick yeah well so uh, tweety discovers quite early on that sylvester gets seasick yeah and whenever sylvester nearly catches him uh tweety just pulls out a picture of a ship yeah, on the ocean rock and side to side. wobbles it about which and... is not how seasickness works i know this because very recently have been seasick yeah and watching a picture of a boat being wobbled about would not produce how bad i felt if anything, if wobbled there. about in the correct sort of pattern, probably be probably, better. Probably be better, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, but there you go. So, but there is a very effective seasickness remedy on board, um, which Sylvester. There's uses. only half a bottle of it left. Yeah, because he's already guzzled a load of it. Uh, Tweety decides to put nitroglycerin. Yeah. Into because that's up there with next to the syrup of Ipecac. Yeah, obviously. Um, and Sylvester guzzles that down and can spit firebombs. Yeah, it's like uh it's like Mario gets a fire flower time. Yeah, it was it was very impressive. Um but he's chasing Tweety again. Tweety nips by Granny. Granny decides to start batting at Sylvester as usual. And Tweety warns Granny. Yeah, but he doesn't try to really stop. He's like, oh, "I wouldn't do that if I were you. You'll regret it." And then obviously she hits him. And boom, up he flies. Like She's a flare. There. Doesn't die though. No, well, not that we see. Like, 
Granny gets away with just being a bit bit blackened She's and scorched. Sturdy. But then, you know, I like I reckon because I don't reckon Granny's very big. No. I reckon that dress is a lot bigger than Granny. Yes, I reckon, yeah. You do think it's like Mom from um, yeah. Futurama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she steps out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like a robot like, suit. Like, it's like some sort of like prosthetic unit that yeah. she just opens the front of and emerges. And actually, she's in like a, an interface suit, like uh, like think, someone who pilots a mech. Do you think mech. Granny is Mom from Futurama? Oh, I mean, it's possible. I mean, we'll have to see how, we'll to see how Granny progresses. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but yeah, like what made me kind of. Uh, be slightly alarmed at the end of the episode was as Sylvester was going up the captain comes out and he's, he goes I thought I saw a putty tat yeah. and then Sylvester slams into him and the captain gets up with basically Sylvester in him um, and then Tweety and Granny turn to him as they're driving the boat yeah. and say you did, you did see a putty tat and that in level of indoctrination, that just like... And then Granny puts the captain's hat on, and then they just... Yeah, and put put away they go, to wherever they're going. Do you think they're sailing off to, like, another island? I don't know. <laughs> do, they, do they have a lair? Do we reckon they have a lair? Possibly. Like, or they're going to establish a lair? You know, a big, yeah, well, big won- bird skull in the side of a mountain. Yeah, I'm wondering whether or not they like they have an island where they've already got like the main body of the cult set up and they're just like nipping back. Well, it wouldn't be a complete Lovecraftian horror without some broad brush racism on uh, like somewhere with a tri a tribal. That atmosphere. is very true. That is very true. So like maybe they've just <coughs> you know ticking We've got boxes that to look forward. You know, to. they're just dotting the eyes and crossing the teeth. Yeah. No, well, I mean, well, like, we'll 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 have to see if that episode comes up and whether or not we can uh, justifiably skip it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't. It, it raised more questions than it answered. It did, um, but they were definitely on that boat on their own. There was yeah, nobody that, else there. They that boat is going exactly boat. where they want. Yeah, and that captain is is part of the cult. Or well, he's been indoctrinated in some way because <coughs> he just. Like, I presume Tweety thought, I thought I saw a putty tat, and then the captain just went, I thought I saw a putty tat. I think that's why his head's so big. Well, the captain. No, Tweety's, because he's got, like, some sort of, like, telekinetic powers. Mars attacks in about the place. Yeah. Or his feet. His feet are pretty big as well. Remember, he's got brains Yeah, but, like, you know, like, I can't think of any sort of classic classic trope in which people no, no, use their I. telepathic powers from their unless giant the, uh, feet. Uh, unless that is the start of that trope. <laughs> well, we know it isn't. This is 1951. That's true. It is true, yeah. Telekinetic feet powers. Telekinetic feet powers makes more sense than telepathic feet powers, which is what we're talking about. That is true. I mean, it does make a lot more sense, but it does make more sense. It's like, you know, people use the force with, like, force push with their hands. Yeah, but they don't need to. Oh, yeah, I mean, I always thought it was a bit superfluous. It's like no, it's all just a bit wishy-washy, isn't it? Like, it's like telegraph your cool moves, but yeah. just, just so anyone looking on can sort of follow the fight. It's like, they don't need to follow the fight. No, at all. Just fight properly with your mind. Yeah. Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi. Yeah. Anyway... Anyway, I don't think that answered very much. It didn't, no. I mean, it didn't raise too many questions apart from, where are they going? Oh, there's a big a big sound there. Uh, it's going to be on the recording because, you know, 
Why not? What was the Your same? Windows Defender summary is something about that. Oh, awesome. So that's, that's good to know. That's good to know. It's good to know. Professionals we are. Well, I mean, it's a good thing we've got Windows Defender, otherwise anyone could hack in. Yeah, but... Steal uh, our good shows. Well, I'd say I'm glad we're glad we got a good summary. We'll yeah. read that after the show. Uh, there wasn't much in the way of music uh, this week, but we no. did talk a fair amount about Groundhog Day, so uh, we're going to leave you with uh, a classic Sonny and Cher number. Uh, that Bill Murray wakes up to every day. He does. And we're going to spend the rest of the time watching Foghorn Leghorn cartoons, hoping that someone buys him uh, <laughs> a radio, radio alarm, alarm clock so he notices that he's living the same day over <laughs> and over again. Um, if you listen to the show uh, and enjoy it, please please tell people about it because we don't really we don't pay for advertising anywhere or anything like that. It's it's all word of mouth and uh, and a few uh, partner podcasts that are kind enough to put our our ad on. So uh, if you if you know people who might like it, or well, largely if you just know people, because if you like it, someone you know probably will. Exactly, because normally people surround themselves with people like themselves. Yeah, or at least the people that they like. Yeah, and you know they can share. They can share things with. Certain so, interests. So when you're thinking, I'd like to share something with my good friend, Blank, share share the Space Jam continue with them. Yeah, just share it. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, thank you so much for listening, uh, and we'll see you next week. We'll leave you with a sunny and share.
you there. 